forever. Dog. Just between us. Hey. Just between us. Hey. Hello, I'm Allison Raskin. I'm a writer, mental health advocate, and uh, my right eye is, is irritating me. Hi, I'm Gabby Dunn. I'm a writer, bicon, bisexual icon, wink, and very professional. What makes you say that? Um, I just felt like because we've, I think we're like towards the end of the day of recording and I feel we're a little loopy. I don't feel loopy. I feel low energy. Like oh, I, I could potentially just sit here and stare at a wall for 30 minutes and feel good about it. Oh, I feel like not high. I feel high energy in the sense that I'm like, I'm a little bit loopy. Oh, that's fun. You know what I had the other day? What? Half a yerba mate. Oh, yeah. And we know those fuck me up. I was off the walls on my yerba mate. Half of one. Because I, uh, I had poured half into a glass and then um, I spilled my pill bottle into it. So I had to throw it out. You, I'm sorry, what? It was a rough morning. You spilled your pills into a cup of yerba mate? No, that would have been a real disaster. Instead, I just dropped a pill, a closed pill bottle into it. (laughs) (laughs) I I pictured you dumping a bunch of whatever the fuck you're on, Trintelix, into just accidentally into like a thing of yerba. And then you know what I would do? I would just go, ah, fuck it. And I just. That would be so dangerous. Just again, reiterating, we do not give health advice. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> you're just you're like um trying you're like a trying to to like get high or have some kind of like psychedelic experience. So you just pour your antidepressants into a glass of yerba mate and then let it ride, baby. <laughs> oh God, I hope this doesn't become the next TikTok trend, <laughs> like when they were eating the Tide Pods. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have a question. When you're taking your mental health medication and you do you always take it with water or do you sometimes take it with other things and then feel like, why do I bother? What do you mean other things? Like when I used to drink, like where I would just like have to take my Zoloft or like or like if you or like if you take your mental health meds with like a huge thing of coffee, like if I take a Klonopin with if I take a Klonopin with a like a cup of coffee to wash it down with, like, am I just hitting neutral? Well, yeah. Well, that kind of medication is very different than the medication I take. Oh, OK. Because that's like a fast acting anxiety relief medication where it's like Trintelix is only going to work after it's been in your system for a couple of weeks. Yeah, and I so, have those. Well, one day, actually, Gabby, thank you so much for asking. I, I sometimes do try to take if I have to take a big pill, I'll try to take it with something thicker than water. So that I don't, so that's easy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I have to, I have to go to a blood bank. I have to pretend like I work at the blood bank. (laughs) And I say, you know, I just got a request for a couple of vials of your best stuff. I got to get it quick. And they go, ma'am, we don't recognize you. And I say, that's not my problem. Call corporate. If you say call corporate, you can steal as much blood as you want. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> no, but sometimes if I'm really like, I, uh, I'll take it with like a vitamin water because it's like a little. I don't know. It feels like it goes down smoother. Okay, I got big problems. What's your What's your biggest <laughs> pill? Do you think? 
Well, right now I'm finishing up. Today's my last day of taking my antibiotics for my SIBO, at least round one. Sometimes you have to take it multiple times. Um, and those pills are really big. Like how big? Well, I also have acid reflux. So I struggle to take big pills. Like these, like, I, I, I it's probably like you're going to, you're setting me up for me to sh- say how big and then you to laugh at me and say that's not that big. I'm not, I wasn't going to say no, that. this is a classic setup situation. It wasn't. I was, no, I was already moved on in my mind. Well, that's rude. Yeah. I asked how big <laughs> the pill was largely to just be polite. Yeah. Yeah, it just seemed like I am interested. But um, but then you got real weird about it. Uh, No, because I was like, if you take an anti if you take an antipsychotic Mm -hmm. like with I don't know, like with like a Red Bull, like is that like are you just like (laughs) part of me feels like. woo? I think what you're talking about only makes sense for like taking like a fast acting anxiety medication. No, no, no. I just mean for your, I'm talking about like in in your life where like I sometimes, if I like take my antipsychotic with a Red Bull or an energy drink, I'll be like, I'm not making good. Like, I'll be like, you know what? This is a metaphor for how I like put band-aids on bullet holes. I'm going to say your antipsychotic will still work even if you take it with a sip of Red Bull. And, I know and you should still take your antipsychotic. I do. Okay. I just had a doctor. I said, he said, do you have anything? I said, I have bipolar too. He said, oh, okay. Then he like looked at my meds and he was like, some of these are antipsychotics. And I said, uh-huh, for the bipolar disorder. And he was like, huh. Well, I think sometimes you're on a mood stabilizer for bipolar. Yeah. No, not this one. I don't know. I'm going to fact check that later. No, no, no. You could be on a mood stabilizer. I just, for me, they were like, mood so stable. <laughs> Brain, not good. <laughs> All right. This is just between us. Variety show filled with heartfelt advice. Ridiculous games. And brutal, brutal honesty. Call corporate can give us all the blood you got. What are people going to say if you say call corporate? They're not going to know who to call. You have time to do your mission. Now, who is corporate in terms of the blood bank? Big blood. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I have a question. Yeah. Speaking of big blood. Yeah. If you were like a mafioso, what would your name be? What? Give me some examples of what my... Like, like what? big blood is funny. I'm rewatching The Sopranos. Oh. So big blood is funny. Like one of the guys, they he goes by like pussy. One of the guys is like Polly walnuts. Like... I think I'd go by burps. Burps. Okay. Because I'm burping all the time. Okay, that's cool. Ah! I'm sorry. If I talk about it, it happens. Okay? I wish that I had that problem. <laughs> oh, we've got a wonderful episode <laughs> for everyone today. Gabby's off the wall, and I might be asleep by the end. You didn't ask me what my gangster name oh, would be. I'm sorry. What would your gangster name be? Drew asked me that, and my first thought was Slicky G, and I don't know why. G as in G spot. <laughs> nice. I love when I get a Melissa laugh. That's when I know I can go to sleep and not worry <laughs> that I did my job for the day. <laughs> between us. Did we say that already? Yeah. <laughs> they like these episodes. The fans like the, the episodes where we're like more loosey-goosey. You tell yourself whatever you need to tell yourself to get by. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, this is uh, Burps and Slicky G here on the mic. John has started calling me Poops Jazzkin. And how is that not a great gangster name? <laughs> Poops. <laughs> Can you imagine? 
They're like, uh, it's like the 1920s. They're like, today coming into the courthouse is Poops Jaskin. Poops Jaskin for reporting for duty. Oh, why, ma'am, why are you reporting covered in blood? Reporting for duty. Reporting for duty. Oh, that's good. That's good. All right. We've got a great show for you guys today. Our guest is I, one of the most delightful people I think we've ever talked to. Blair Postman, who is a, a comic who also has a one-person show called Lady ADHD. We get into her point of view on the world as someone who was late diagnosed with ADHD. And also, uh, we just have a lot of laughs. We have a good time. Hypotheticals really, is good. Yeah, it's really, stick around. Stay tuned. And then we're going to talk all about gifts. Yeah, I've been really pushing this topic for a few weeks, so I'm excited to dive in. Yeah, we we eschewed it when it was on the docket for Gossip About My Dating Life, which I think maybe was last week's episode. So now we're going to do gifts. Yeah, that'll be juicy. Though people will click for that. Um, <laughs> but first, we have got to answer a listener's question. And you know what that means? Hit it! International question! International question! International question! Alex, Europe. Love the ambiguity of Europe. The best magician I've ever seen was advertised as from Europe. (laughs) I think about that at least once a month. Who is the best magician you've ever seen? I don't remember his name. I just know he was from Europe. Okay. Okay, but Alex from Europe says, Hi, I mean, this man disappeared. (laughs) So quickly. Honestly. The blink of a human eye was in a you, different place. Nothing I love more than a man who disappears so quickly. <laughs> Honestly, can y'all all do that? Including me. Oh, can I say something? Why do you? Uh, yeah, this is your podcast. You don't always have to ask me if you can say something. This is just a, this is just a quick aside. Uh, fuck you to anyone who's like, Gabby's a white man now, and so their opinion doesn't matter. Absolutely go fuck yourself. You have no historical context for transness, and you can leave. Okay, please continue. Oh, it's so wild. Like, I never said that, but I feel like I'm in trouble. Oh, it's people have said it, and um, you can fuck off. I think I just take on trouble. I just like, oh, is someone in trouble? It's me. Like, if anyone honks, even if they're not honking at me, I assume they're honking because I messed up. Really? Yeah. Like, if I hear a honk anywhere, I'm like, oh, sorry. But I'm just, I'm just parked. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Alex from Europe says, hi, Allison and Gabby. My name's Alex. They, them. I'm from Europe. And for... (laughs) Nice, Europe. (laughs) Woo, Europe. (laughs) And first of all, I wanted to thank you. Do you think that they've lived in multiple parts of Europe? (laughs) Like, why are they saying that? I don't know, but I love... They're that... You know what? You can't remember the name of that magician. It's because it's Alex. Oh, maybe. Or like they they want like they didn't want to go full anonymous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they wanted a continent. Yeah. Okay. I'm from Europe. And first of all, I wanted to thank you for all the content you've put out through the years. Hey. Because it's helped me grow and learn a lot. About the question, TLDR, what can you really do for someone who's in a really bad situation but doesn't accept any help? Mm. So I have this friend, they, them, who I've known for a while, and we talked every single day about everything, silly and deep stuff, for about a year before everything went south. So we were really close. For context, they used to live on their own and had a whole independent life. Their mom manipulated them into dropping everything and living with her in a faraway city. And now they live isolated with an openly homophobic and transphobic mom who makes them pay for everything and do everything in the house while she sits around and impulsively spends all the money in their bank account. 
But my friend stays there partly because they have no savings, but also a mix of enmeshment, obligation, and manipulation. Around December, my friend started to work more and more, 60 plus hours a week to keep up their mom's expenses. But they always told me that it was temporary and that they're fine. This kept getting worse for a couple months until the mom had a car accident and everyone involved was fine. But since it was her fault, they had to pay for everything. So my friend started working even more hours. From then on, they got more and more closed off, very defensive about everything, irritable, etc. Until all I got was an I'm fine text every couple weeks. A month ago, they told me they don't want to talk, deleted all their social media, and I or any of our mutual friends haven't heard anything about them ever since. The last thing I told them is that the door to talk is always open. I obviously still care a lot about them, and I'm worried because a few years back, something similar happened with their mom to the point where they overworked themselves to the point where they ended up in the hospital. But I just genuinely don't know how to help, especially since we're long distance. So my question is, what does one do in this situation? How can I help? Can I even help? How do I approach them in a way where they won't get even more closed off? Anyway, thank you for reading. Kindly, Alex. Oh, Alex. You're so kind. It's hard because family is at play. But also, like, you can't help someone who doesn't want to help themselves. I don't know. I now I'm thinking about that phrase, and I wonder if that's even true. It's hard. I I a couple years ago, more than a couple years ago, some friends and I, a friend of ours, like a group of friends of ours, this person lived in another state, and they started tweeting suicidal stuff, and we were all trying to get in touch with them. Everybody was trying to get in touch with them, and they were like writing back and being like "fuck you, fuck off" to like everybody, and we eventually sent a friend of ours who lived nearby to drive to that person's city to knock on their door and the person wouldn't come out and was screaming at the person who drove there like fuck you fuck you we were like I don't know what do we do do we try to get in touch with their mom like I don't know and they kept tweeting more stuff and like eventually we did get in touch with the mom and the mom went down there but like the mom had to like try to force their way in and everything and like all of us were sort of trying to do this dance I remember everybody talking to each other do this dance of like how much can we actually do? In our heads, we said, if they're still tweeting suicidal stuff, then they must, even though they're telling all of us to fuck off, they must on some level want us to know what's going on. So we were like, okay, that makes us think we can step in. But like, it was, I mean, there were so many instances where this person was just like, no, no, go away. Someone's at the door. No, go away. The moms there, go away. And they were like lashing out at us, being really mean to us. Like you guys are being fucking busy. Like, I don't know. And it was kind of this like dance of like, how much can you do when the person is just pushing you away? And that situation ended up being okay. What happened? They eventually let the mom in and then the mom took over from there. And then they kind of apologized to us and now like it's fine, but everybody basically sprang into action. As soon as we started seeing the the tweets, we all like sprang into action trying to be like, what do we do? What do we do? Obviously we like, this is a black person. So we were like, we cannot call the police. Our friend that drove down to try to get into the apartment was white. So then was like, okay, well, I don't want to try to like bust down this person's door. Cause then like, it was just like this, Because then, like, if the cops do come, what are they going to see? Like, it was like this whole, first of all, having to work around the cops in that kind of situation was like a total nightmare. 
But we were going beyond this person's boundaries, like for sure. Like this person was expressing like, leave me the fuck alone. This is none of your business. Leave me the fuck alone. But then still sort of tweeting out like stuff about how they were going to kill themselves. So we were all kind of saying like, okay, if they were, if they were actually going to do it, they'll just do it. And since they're tweeting, they must want us to keep going. And eventually they got help. But every signal was telling us, leave them alone. So, you know, like it just reminded me of this because it's like every signal this person is giving you is like, leave me alone. But like, when is it okay to be like, actually, no, I will not be leaving you alone. Yeah, I mean, I this person seems more like shut down and shut off versus like making right exactly it's different it's like they're sort of in in like um almost like a cult of one with their mother yeah it's different Um, it just means like this person's setting boundaries but like and we always say oh and you know go with the person's boundaries but like what if it's like no i actually will not be yeah i think with this situation at first i was like i truly have no idea but now i wonder if like if like you're the last communications that you've had with this person is like always checking in on the situation is always being like are you miserable what's going on with your mom like are you okay like are you fine like you know and that can probably that's probably not fun for them that's a good idea and so what if instead you just start talking about other things with them send them a meme like send them a meme and then that way you can like be there like they know that like if they get to a point or they do want to talk to you or they do want to reach out for help. It won't have been like, oh, I haven't talked to Alex for six months. Right. Like, I, I am truly isolated in this. Right. Like, and so I would actually try to just continue to be in touch with them and not talk about it. That's a really good idea. Oh, thank you. Or bring up something in your life. Right. Yeah. And be actually, like, can I ask your advice about something? Yeah. And then see what they say. Like, make them feel useful. Make them feel useful that it's not just all about you, you judging their life them. and yeah, their yeah, like yeah. situation. And that way, like you can maintain the friendship and still be there for them without maybe doing the things that cause them to push you away. That's brilliant. Hey, I don't know if it'll work, but seems like it's worth a try. That's really smart. Yeah, because then they're saying that they don't want. Did this person say I don't want to talk about this? Or they've just been writing back like I'm fine, you know? Yeah. Um. So they're probably sick of talking about it. And they're sick of like you ju- feeling like you're judging their situation or that you're yeah. so worried about them or, you know what I mean? Talking about, and that's all you and the friends are talking about. And that's even like, yeah, what if you sent like a an old picture and you were like, look how weird we look here or something. Yeah, or just like an update on your life that you wanted to share with them or like a cute dog or like something that's not about the thing. Yeah. Here's a song that made me think of you. So that's my advice. That is a good idea. Because then it's right. Then they don't feel judged and they don't feel like all you're thinking about is their shitty situation. And then who knows, maybe in the middle of a conversation about something else, they'll end up sharing more than they would have if they felt on the offensive, if they felt like they were constantly having to defend their actions and family and decisions and all of that. Can you explain what a cult of one is? So I believe it's the concept that like in the same way, like a cult leader can have like control over the followers of a cult. It can be just a one-to-one relationship. So it, it like it's not like they have like a full flock following them, but they can right. still have the same level of control over you. Either like, let's say, like in a romantic relationship or like 
in this situation of family relation, you know, so you're sort of brainwashed and not thinking clearly in the way you would in a more traditional cult, but it's really just based off of this relationship you have with one person. Oh, it's so hard because people are so taught to just let family take a take a override every single thing that they know and would allow from anyone else it's truly it's like it is I feel like families are cults hear me out families are cults like all families I think that their dynamics their 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 situations where everybody behaves like because of the deep history, everyone behaves in a way that is illogical to anyone outside of the family. I think that family structures and family dynamics are a unique thing. Some are more adaptive and some are more maladaptive. Yeah. What did I say? Okay. <laughs> well, we hope that that helps. If you want to submit your international question, you can send it to justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. That's justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. And you're a very lovely person, Alex, and very caring. And so thank you for writing that in. And I wish you luck. Up next, we have an exciting interview with our highly esteemed guest, Blair Postman. Stay tuned. Just between us, it's time for the juiciest, most scandalous, most controversial segment known to all of podcasting, Tough Questions. This week on the show, we have Blair Postman, who created her one-person show, Lady ADHD, during COVID quarantine. It combines Postman's uproarious signature flip chart stand-up comedy bits with running commentary about her life with long undiagnosed ADHD, how ADHD created flip chart comedy, and the lessons she learned along the way. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, we always, we love to talk about ADHD on this show. And we also love to talk about late diagnosis, especially, uh, um, especially with neurodivergence. So can you talk about like your, a little bit about your journey to getting diagnosed? Sure. So I am Gen X. I'm 150 years old. So <laughs> this is not exactly true, but there was no ADHD when I was growing up. But I went, uh, my grammar school was all open classrooms, non-traditional, like lots of 70s, very free to be you and me, like sitting oh. down, self-paced learning. You could move your desks around whenever you wanted to. Um, so I thrived in that environment and powers that be decided I was smart. And then magically, when I got to a very different environment in junior high and high school and oh, the rest of life, people decided, well, maybe she's smart, but maybe she's lazy. Maybe she doesn't try that hard. She doesn't really care. She doesn't try hard enough. And over the years, I felt like I was trying pretty damn hard most of the time and was actually pretty anxiety ridden about making sure I didn't forget things or that I lived up to all the standards that were out there. And when I was uh, going through a divorce from my first husband, um, I... An iconic (laughs) sentence. Yes, there's so many. Um, I (laughs) So many things. I was a lawyer for a hot minute. Like every ADHD person, I've had like seven careers. And so one thing led to another and I eventually got a diagnosis, but they didn't have, it was, I was in my early thirties and they didn't really have what I call like the medicines that really work right now, that they do right now. And also, honestly, 
I sort of ignored the diagnosis for a long time because in the 90s and, you know, early aughts, I was still basically was convinced by society in the world that it wasn't really real. Like, yes, it was a diagnosis, but it didn't count or really everything was still my fault. All the stuff I struggled with was still my fault. I needed to suck it up. I you hear that about any kind of all kinds of mental illness or neurodivergence, but certainly true in my case. And then really in my early 40s, what I say when the shit went down and uh, in my life and lots of interesting things, shall we call it, happened at once. One of the things I started to do was to take the ADHD more seriously. So I think it's really just been the last nine or 10 years that I've really been consistent with my meds, making sure that I'm putting in more fail-safes in my life where I think it needs it. Also, though, not worrying about a lot of things that other people say I should be able to do or that I should focus on or that basically not worrying about what other people think I should be worrying about. I love that. Can you be like a little more specific about what that means? Like what things you let you let go of? Well, I, you know, I, I have a perfectly serviceable law degree that I don't use, you know, that I just I went because I had been told from teachers and parents and families since I was a little kid that that would be a great career for me. It wasn't. I didn't like it. I had careers around comedy and performing that were not being a comedian or being a writer or a performer myself, because I had been told by, again, family, society, uh, lots of input from people who really didn't need to have any, that that would be a waste of my time. It would be a waste of my education. It would be a waste of my smart, that it was somehow lazy when everyone knows that being a creative is like the hardest way you could possibly <laughs> choose to make money. And really, I didn't become a, a stand-up comic until I was 43 years old. I didn't start because I finally decided this was something I wanted to do and wanted to try. And yeah, it was kind of late, but I was I was just not going to be afraid of anything anymore. I came off as a brave person, but really I was afraid of doing all the things that I might not be perfect at right away. How does that manifest interpersonally? Like with fail safes or with, with saying like, you know what, I just don't have to operate the way that people... Uh, think I should operate? Well, I've done a few things. I've, I have a day job career that is very flexible that allow, and I have a, I have found a very uh, supportive boss and a very supportive work environment for what I do in, in a, in arena that really appreciates my creativity that I bring to the job. They appreciate the ideas that I bring, but it's also having a, an awareness that you know, other people are trying to do other things and that trying to like stop for five seconds and take it, take a deep breath. If I feel like I'm overwhelmed with anxiety or if on the other end, if I'm overwhelmed with excitement about something, but it's in the middle of I, this is not literally true, but like in the middle of a board meeting, like just yeah. jumping up and shouting, being able to just just pinch myself, just having just an ounce of awareness, knowing, though, that the heart of that, that creativity, that those sparks of ideas, the ability to have the energy to really see like something that you care about through to the end, all of that stuff that's great about ADHD, or at least the way my brain works, is still all good. But trying to take a deep breath and not realize that everything that I'm either anxious about or excited about, they don't have to happen right exactly that second. 
You know, they have to. I, I make a lot of lists. I just related to that so much of like realizing things don't have to happen right then. Yes. Like I'll be in the shower and I'll like think of a tweet. And I'll be like, yes. I gotta do it right now. And I'm like, I'm in the shower, like yeah, you know, right. like can and I really in the, can I put in the steam? Can yeah, I or like let me stop the shower so I can what get my phone soaking yeah. wet so I can or rush my shower so I can film this TikTok that just and like <laughs> learning that I can like take a deep breath, like I can do that in an hour. And mm-hmm. I have a bunch of these. Right, right. That energy, it's hard to resist that energy, isn't it? And it's not bad. I used to think that that energy was bad. It meant when I was Mm -hmm. unfocused. It's not that I'm unfocused. It means I'm hyper-focused on something really interesting to me. And as I say in my show, like, that ability is where cures for cancer can come from. Right. It also might be where my really silly TikTok video might come from or whatever. But, (laughs) I mean, that energy is not bad. It's just finding a way without trying to dampen it or stuff it in a corner to manage it just a hair. And mostly I write things down. I have this book. If I write something down in this book, I may never even look at it again. But I just, it takes away some of that anxiety of not following through with that impulse right that second. Yes. Right. My partner has ADHD and struggles a lot with it. And the the thing about needing to do things right then for them, I think manifests, at least in my living with them, <laughs> manifests in like the idea happens. And so it has to happen now. So, it so but right it now. doesn't matter if they're holding the toothpaste. It, it has doesn't matter like, if I'm holding a toothpaste yeah, yeah, or yeah. live baby or like if we're on a roller coaster, none of that. It doesn't matter if my husband was just talking to me about something really exciting that exactly. happened to him at work and it made me think of a, of a line I wanted to write in my next show. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And so the part that that still, I try not to feel bad like it makes me a bad person. But you shouldn't I don't, at all. But I don't want to be... I do care what my husband is telling me about the story. I'm just thinking about three things at once and I get really excited about the thing it made me think of that was maybe a little more about me. And so (laughs) I, I really, I, I want to embrace all of it, but I just, I, you know, I try to meditate. You don't have to be good at meditation. Like we all, I think have learned that by now, but just being able to take three seconds so I can stop and realize I can listen to the best thing that like happened to him in a month at work. Like I want to do that, but it's also scary because you feel like you're going to, you know, grab a tiger by the tail if you grab it right then. And if it's not, it's gone forever. And so it's, Everything feels, you know, it's interesting because with ADHD, people manage it in different ways. I the drugs that uh, that I have now work really well for me. I've tried other other medications that haven't. It was a process. But some people don't do well with uh, medication. They do other things. And, you know, writing lists for me is is really important. But also just being able to appreciate that, oh my God, it just went away. That's just because I'm on this podcast does not mean I don't still have ADHD. <laughs> and that's what we're trying to show. The real, it's the raw, real. the authentic. Why it's, this is, this is, this is unfiltered ADHD. Breaking news. My, live. Do you know what happened? What? One of my two, one of my two cats who never comes in my office just came into my office. Oh, that is and exciting. I, I got very excited and it went away. Point being, you can find ways to manage it. And it's gone. It'll come back to me when we're talking about something else entirely. Absolutely. That has nothing to do with this. Yeah. 
<laughs> Can I ask what medication you are on that worked and what hasn't worked? Um, sure. Sorry, I'm a I'm a mental health nerd with all this. Yeah, stuff. That, I, <laughs> I I know that. Um, no, no problem. Um, I'm on Vyvanse which is time release, um, essentially Adderall, but that it's time release. I have been on, you know, it goes by Wellbutrin. It goes by a few different names, depending on what they're prescribing it for. And I found that, which was not a stimulant, and I found that that medication, it didn't really help me with my focus or my emotional regulation. It more made me relaxed and okay with having it. It didn't really Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. fix the issue as much. And I've also been on versions of Adderall that are not time release. And those I was a little concerned about. I have a family history of uh, addiction and and drug addiction. And my brain, you know, I'm very lucky. I was the one person who never tried cocaine in the 80s. You know, I felt like that was just had a little bit of a potential to get abused by me because my brain liked it so much. I find the Vyvanse works really well. Some people don't. Some people don't like it for a lot of different reasons. With ADHD, like, what are the strengths? Because I feel like there's a lot of stuff that I love about my partner and I love about their ADHD. And I've had some people talk about on the show that the way I've talked about them sounds like I'm complaining and I, and I really am not. So what, what do you, what do you think are like the superpowers? Well, the superpowers are bound, like all great superpowers and superheroes, right? The strengths are bound to the weaknesses, right? So ADHD brains, right, have an unreliable, this is the way I describe it. I'm not qualified to really talk about science as a professional in any way. But the way I talk about it is that ADHD brains have an unreliable amount of certain brain chemicals that regulate all kinds of things. And it's not just focus or attention. It's also things like emotions, impulsivity, and hyperactivity, which is why we're way much more fun at parties than other people. <laughs> but the, but the, the emotion side, like if I'm excited about your project, I will throw whatever I'm doing away to help you with your project or your issue. If I love you, man, I fucking love you. You know, I am like a super supportive friend, so supportive that maybe I don't have appropriate boundaries and something I'm working on for the last many years. Yes, that's also possible. That is a flip side. You know, it's the thing that you get excited about is also the thing that can make you anxious. Now, a lot of that is how you how you frame what's going on. I've learned that that can be really helpful. But being excited about something I can look, for example, at all the all the shows I have coming up or all mm-hmm. the you know great stuff I'm doing with friends or projects that I'm working on. And if I look at my calendar over a month or three months to figure things out, I might get really excited or because our brains process time in a really weird way. There's only now and not right now. There is nothing else. Yeah. So if I look at all that stuff, I might become really overwhelmed with a tidal wave of anxiety because it feels like suddenly all that stuff is due right now, this second today. And I failed because it's not all done already. And so that is like the pros and the creativity is, I mean, 
I love writing the show. I love, you know, when I think of a joke, when I think of a new, you know, short to film or something else, it's amazing. I can help people problem solve in really interesting ways. But sometimes people just want you to shut the fuck up so they can watch the movie, you know, and it's yeah. it's, it's both. It's all of that is together. <laughs> when you were talking about time, you know, it's interesting because and you were talking about your school that you went to. Mm hmm. The the stereotypes and the negativity of ADHD, it's because the world is not built for you. Can you talk a little bit about that in relation to like time and also like the ways in which the world is not built for you, but how you can thrive? Well, again, this is my personal experience. But when I was in an open classroom, I knew that I had certain things I had to do. But nobody cared if it was done at 9 a.m. or noon most of the time. Right. Um, when I was in law school, my first year... Uh, I didn't do so great. Um, but as I went forward, and mostly because I was pretty much at the bottom of my class after my first year, and people are really amazing. And I don't mean that always in a good way. And so I, they would like say things to me like that I hadn't done well because they post all the, you know, they post everything. Yeah. And I, out of spite, started to do very well. But when <laughs> in second and third year, spite is a fantastic motivator for me. And if Second year and third year, we got to select the courses we wanted to take. Yep. And I got to do independent study where it was hands-on um, working at legal aid. So, for example, if I can, a lot of times when I'm making a list, I am putting, by the way, this is what I couldn't remember before. When I'm making a list, I, a lot of times, am making, putting something on there and acting like it's due tomorrow or next week, even though it isn't, it's just something I generally want to get done because besides being extremely captivated or interested in the subject, what helps us focus and create that dopamine our brain is so sorely lacking in is if something is urgent or novel. And so if I put it on a calendar as if it's really due, um, that might give it a sense of urgency to spark that interest. Or if something's really novel or interesting. And in law school, in the second and third years, I was able to pick things interesting to me. And in legal aid, everything was urgent because here's a person who needs their social security check and you're going to have to help them get it. So those are just examples of some of the things I just really following your interests. Also, if I hadn't gone to law school, like I was sort of told I should do, should, awful word, since, you know, age, I don't know, 10, um, and had done what I wanted to do, I think I would have gotten, you know, if I had been a, you know, just the philosophy, continued in my philosophy of religion studies that I majored in or have done something in entertainment or, or performing, I think I probably would have gotten all A's because I was interested in it. It's just, right. it, it's just, it can be as simple as just really doing what your heart wants to do, even though people want you to do something else, which is usually about them. Yeah, totally. Like, how does the ADHD, like you spoke a little bit about this, but like impact like your second marriage and what is there a difference between like your current relationship and your first marriage? Well, <laughs> thankfully, many. I was married <laughs> for like six months in the first one. We're about to have our 15th anniversary on this in this one. Um, I think. We both know we're really flawed. Um, I'm not breaking any confidence by saying this. I have uh, uh, jokes and my husband's a recovering alcoholic. I in order to not be the insane 
non-alcoholic in that relationship, you know, I've done a lot of work on myself as well. We both know we're not perfect. That was not the case in my first marriage. Uh, I was completely imperfect and somebody else was perfect. And I was trying really hard in that first iteration. I was much younger, trying to fit into a box that whatever seemed acceptable, whatever, whenever you're trying to live up to somebody else's expectations of you, for whatever the reason, it's doomed to failure. And because of all the feeling like I wasn't smart enough or wasn't enough or I wasn't trying hard enough, I grew up for that and some other reasons, grew up with kind of a complex of always trying to live up to other people's expectations. Terrible, terrible idea. So my husband and I, uh, current husband, he does not love it when I call him my current husband. My husband and I are pretty open about how each of us is imperfect, but also he is a much more patient person than I am. And we kind of, for example, have a little, if he starts to tell me about the great thing at work and then I bust in as I have done to you two during this podcast, even though I'm trying not to just because I get so excited, he will just stop talking. And it's like a little sign the way he stops talking that I've interrupted him again, Mm -hmm. probably for the fourth time in that conversation. So I think really just being open and being with someone who really liked me for the actual me and not the thing I was trying to be. That's always a great, much better start to any relationship. Definitely. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I also sometimes feel that I have a really difficult time being in the moment. And then I feel this pressure that like, I'm supposed to be in the moment. Everyone tells you to live in the moment. You should be in the moment, Allison. Why aren't you in the moment? You know, and I wonder like if like if you also struggle with that and and how you, you know, have have come to terms with it. Like, I think some of it is me just being like, well, right now I'm not in the moment. And I and that, oh, well, I miss this moment. (laughs) That is such an interesting question vis-a-vis ADHD. I did. I have guests that come on that are actual like, you know, experts in ADHD that take Q&A from the audience that wants to stick around after the show. And we had a a researcher PhD on last night. And the thing about the in the moment is sometimes I'm much too in the moment. Um, (laughs) It is an exceed an excess of being in the moment. And other times I am thinking about the other. I am absolutely not present. And so it's I don't necessarily want to be in the moment in my head all the time, but that is where my default is. I want to be more present in the world and not in the moment in my head. Very good at being in the moment in my head. Not so good at being in the moment in the world unless like I'm on stage or something like that. You know, that's so interesting because other than that thing of trying to take a step back for three seconds and try to realize that I actually I'm not going to have a heart attack. I mean, it feels it feels like I'm going to jump out of my skin. You know, when you're talking about the scenario, when you're in the shower and you're you know, you have an idea and you have to do it right then taking that three seconds. And then after the three seconds, realizing the world hasn't ended is actually kind of a revelation. So Mm -hmm. I think that it seems like ADHD people are very in the moment. And yet I think we're very in the moment up here. Or if something is really urgent, like an emergency room doctor kind of Mm -hmm. situation, 
That's so interesting. I had never thought of it quite that exact way. I, I don't know how to do it well yet. I'll let you know. <laughs> I have a question about late diagnosis. So I think a lot of people are coming to late diagnoses, especially women. Mm -hmm. I know when I was a kid, we're millennials. And when I was a kid, it was only boys that were getting diagnosed with ADHD. Right. And now, like, a lot of women who are in their 30s and 40s are realizing that that was the situation all along. Was that sort of your experience? And, you know, you call your show Lady ADHD. So, like, right. yeah, can you uh, speak to that a little? Yeah, that's like a Lady Gaga thing. Um, but the um, I thought it was a rhyme. I thought it was Lady ADHD. It's also amazing to say fast. Lady ADHD, Lady, Lady ADHD, ADHD, that's what I thought. Lady I thought ADHD, it was like Lady. a tongue twister. It's got, it works on a lot of <laughs> levels, Gabby. Um, but the, you know, a lot of people, especially women with ADHD, put in a, get put in a box as kids that they're space cadets. This is yes. my opinion, and I've, I've, I've read enough, and I've had enough, like, real, you know, spoken to enough ADHD professionals to, I, that I, I feel like I'm, this is me being a former lawyer, giving a caveat that like no one uses this as medical advice. But the um, the women are socialized typically in our society, in my opinion, or uh, women presenting people that they are supposed to be good. They're supposed to not break the rules. And there are 10 million rules and you can never, ever keep track of all of them. And so a lot of women tend to introvert, to go inside. I happen to be identify as a woman who is actually hyperactive, but that is not often the case. And a lot of women are very hyperactive in their head. That's where the hyperactivity is going on. We don't see it. So first of all, you have professionals, hopefully they seem to talk about it a lot in what I read, are going beyond just these super surface level types of symptoms that they have used in the past. Like, a dude bouncing off the walls. Right. Like, that's not the only way it manifests itself. There's a lot of other things. Uh, another thing that a lot of ADHD folks who get a delayed diagnosis deal with is that they were treated like they were not smart. Yeah. It was, uh, they were just not smart. Some of them have been told that their entire lives. And the third option is the one I fell into is that I was smart enough, but lazy. And I think that women in particular, but oh my God, women of color, people of color, they just are out there by themselves, not realizing until if they're lucky, they realize in their 30s and 40s uh, that they might have this ailment and they seek the appropriate help. <laughs> it's funny, you know, you tell a woman en enough times that, like something's all in her head and we're socialized to believe that that's true. And it's yeah. just us. If we would just try harder, it would be better. Yeah. I like to believe it's getting better. You know, we'll see. I'm not I'm not completely convinced because if we all hadn't been in our houses for two years and if there hadn't been like, you know, social media, a lot of these folks who had gotten their late diagnosis recently still wouldn't have a diagnosis. So I'm not sure that answered your question. No, it does. It really does. And it was very thoughtful. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back with our guest. We're back. What is the benefit of being diagnosed? Don't you love just having an answer to something? <laughs> <laughs> like, I just, it's like, ah, the riddle is solved. Like, you know, especially when it's something 
as manageable as ADHD. Because I talk to people all the time who think that maybe they have early onset Alzheimer's. Seriously. Um, Because their brain blinks in and out like mine did earlier in the show. They um, they might like, you know, forget, you know, somebody's name. And it's because their brain went somewhere else for a second and came back. So I I think it's great. I think it's great because you can learn about it. It's empowering to know what you are. You can actually then demand the kind of treatment that you need and deserve. You can tell people to shove it up their ass when they tell you that um, you're not trying hard enough or that you're lazy or just a space cadet or you would not be good at. I can't tell you how many times I was told that I wouldn't be good at performing or good at something else because of what were essentially ADHD symptoms of like, no, just because I'm not good in this biology class doesn't make me an idiot. I'm just not interested in this. And, you know, and I also think it's important not to take medicine. If I am a big believer in it, I'm not discounting medicine. I just, you got to find what works for you. Because, you know, taking medicine just so you'll be good at the things you don't care about is not, you know, really what it's about. It's about helping yourself succeed in your life the way you want your life to be, not I'm going to take these pills so I'm better at doing the drudgery of, you know, uh, blue booking law school paper footnotes and have that be my life for 40 years. Like, that's not a good reason to me. I love that. I love that. My little sister, my little sister has ADHD too. And I'm so, I wish I could go back in time and like punch some people, especially teachers who Mm -hmm. were just like, she's stupid. And like that really sucks. amazing? It's like, you're a teacher. Like, I understand it's the hardest job and all the other things, but you're just going to, what if she was stupid? So we're just going to write her off? We're just going to throw her in the garbage? I mean, it's just, it's amazing. Uh, And it's very frustrating. It's very frustrating. And she didn't realize, like, and, and for a lot of reasons, she was like, you know, they would, like you said, they would say, oh, well, why don't you, you know, not just a lawyer, but why don't you do some job that's, you know, higher up, let's say X, Y, and Z rather than she's like a fantastic restaurant manager. She's very good at that. And she worked her way up to that. And so like, why are, why are we acting like that's like not, you know, like it doesn't count because she's like dumb or something, which is just like in, in that era where the shit went down in my life and my husband got sober and lots of other things happened, one of the things is I had, I'm very good at what my day job is. It also allows me a lot of flexibility. It earns me good money, all of those things. In the first incarnation of it, I had people uh, who decided I should be a manager because I'm good at that job. Uh, I learned I should not manage anyone ever, <laughs> yes. never, ever, ever. And also I hate it because one thing I am is that when you give me goals and so forth and I'm doing something that I like, I'm very internally motivated. There, I can't motivate other people. And I get frustrated when they don't motivate themselves. So I shouldn't be in charge of anyone. I'm fantastic at what I do. Why can't I do this? But capitalism Um, dictates you must move up. You must want more. P.S. I'm doing pretty okay by capitalism standards, too. I mean, for whoever cares about that. And if your sister wanted to go, you know, manage like the fanciest restaurant in town, she would, too. You know, it's it's about 
it's a funny how when you're doing something you love and you're at that level where you really hit your stride but allows you to live the rest of your life, how all this other stuff tends to fall into place, I think. Yeah. But, but, but you know, we're not allowed to be content unless we have a exactly. manager or a VP in our names. And I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good with it. Can I ask what your day job is? Sure. I sell um, advertising sponsorships for a large very well-known broadcast and streaming company. Okay, so you're in sales. Whose poster I took down, which is why it's not on the back wall here. But (laughs) who know I do comedy. They've come to the show. They're very supportive. It's just that the way I moved up was moving up to much bigger markets and much bigger companies. And I do what I do now at a very high level instead of trying to move up by being a manager of other salespeople, which is like, you know, uh, just a nightmare. I love that. <laughs> it's terrible. We'll talk about like internally motivated sales is like a great field for that because you have these like clear goals. Like you can you can outdo yourself from last quarter. Like there's all these like clear the, markers. Lots to hit. of deadlines. <laughs> I mean, yeah. every day there's another deadline and um, another goal and so forth. It's advertising. So there's creative and sponsorships and there's creative stuff that I get to create. You know, so as long as I hit those goals where I am now, they don't care if I do it by doing this or that or the other thing. As as long as I hit those goals, that's fine. And if that's creating these new ideas and sponsorships, great, go for it. So, but like they know I do comedy in the show and all that. So this is how they find out. I was going to say it's long as long as you (laughs) as long as you create, allow people to thrive the way that they want to thrive and not the way that society and capitalism dictates, it's almost like it works out for them. Yeah, they, they're <laughs> completely on board. And if I, you know, was able to move on and just do performing 100%, they would be at the show. You know what I mean? They would be very supportive about that as well. It's a fantastic place to be. And I, I highly recommend finding people and places who accept not just accept you for who you are because that sounds kind of grudging like fine becky we accept you (laughs) (laughs) choice but it's you know that actually embrace and are excited about who you are in and yes there might be things to manage that come with that but who are excited about it even if that means moving on to something else one day it's a appreciate instead of accept i feel like there that's beautiful exactly (laughs) um well where I thrive personally is playing a game called hypotheticals. And would you like to you play with say. me? Oh, <laughs> oh, I would love to play with you, Woo! Allison. I am here for this. All of that other stuff was just pretext to this. Yeah, that was just pre-gaming for hypotheticals. That's right. That was warm up. <laughs> so um, if anyone who hasn't listened, hypotheticals is a game show where I give you a hypothetical situation. You and Gabby are my contestants. You can ask any clarifying questions you might have, and then you tell me what you would do in that situation. Um, and then there's no, and then I sometimes say good job, sometimes I disagree, and sometimes I just move on. I'm not saying I've listened to every episode of this podcast, but I've listened to some episodes. I don't remember you just moving on, but who knows? Maybe I'm wrong about that. <laughs> That's fair. When Maybe have I ever I'm just wrong. moved on? Um. <laughs> Speaking as someone who no, is very much that's actually not true of me anymore. Shots fired. Now I move on quite easily. All right. Now I'm pretty much like, yeah, whatever. And I just ha- start a new life. Um. Oh, you- <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you can teach me that. 
I mean. yes. <laughs> okay, so our first game is America's favorite game show. Would you stay with this cheater? <laughs> okay. While traveling on business, your airplane crashes <gasps> on a remote island, yet somehow all 100 passengers survive. Oh, that's given. <laughs> you want some to die? No, it's, it's a lot it's of gonna be, It's a small island, and it's go ahead. It's yeah. I'm sorry, okay, I continue. Given the remoteness of the island, it takes four days for you to be discovered and rescued. When you return home, you find out that your partner of 21 years assumed you had died and ended up having sex with your sister while processing their grief. Would you stay with this cheater? Okay, this Fuck made me no. think. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Maybe it was not my turn. I'm so no, sorry. No, no, no. It is your turn. It is your turn. Why fuck no? Four days. They haven't even stopped searching yet. I mean, you haven't even like, that's, I mean, I have had luggage returned in more than four days that got lost in the airline. Four days is not enough time. That means he was itching to go or they were already having sex already. That's, that's four days, four months. You know, we're talking about, what's the one with Tom Hanks and the, the volleyball yeah. that Cast made me away. sad? Castaway. Like, that's fine. Castaway yeah. length of time, fine. Four days, he probably, like, he might not have even known I was missing at that point. No, 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 no. <laughs> He's like, yeah, Blair's not picking up her phone. I don't right, know. I'm going to go cheat fuck with someone else. Yeah. <laughs> How about a sister? That's not especially creepy. But, yeah. maybe, but maybe Gabby has a different answer. Made me think of two things. One, I saw an article that was a guy that was um, lost for two weeks. He was shipwrecked for two weeks. And they and he said, God, man shipwrecked for two weeks says it was kind of a nice break. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> that made me laugh so hard. Um, and I sent that to my partner because I was like, Mal, this is you. And then uh, <laughs> I think my I think my husband Gary would be right there with your partner, 100%. and they would they would have a very quiet and peaceful getaway, like exactly. where they just kind of read quietly. Yeah, and then two, <laughs> like he's like, I don't even want to be rescued. And then two, when you guys are on an airplane, yeah, and do you ever think if this plane goes down and we're shipwrecked for like a year, who would be who would be my partner? <laughs> who on this airplane? Would then, because I'm only forced to be around this, these people. Oh, that's so interesting. For like, if we get shipwrecked and I'm only, or we, we crash and I'm only around these 150 people, 100 people for the next like five years, who, who will I fuck? Do you do this on domestic flights as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any flight. If I get into an elevator, I go, who in this elevator would I have sex with if the elevator got stuck? And we have to repopulate the elevator. Yeah, exactly. It's a post-apocalyptic elevator situation. Who's my elevator girlfriend? Uh, you, that sounds actually very glass half full to me. Because yeah, if anything, so I'm the other way. I'm thinking like, is there anyone I could talk to at all? on this airplane if it goes down. Like, who could I even, who would I ask for help building the hut? Like, who I wouldn't want to, yeah. like, just just punch in the nose. Yeah. Well, I, then I, it's sad because then when you get off the airplane, you've never spoken to them. You're like, goodbye, Desert Island boyfriend. Right? There's a whole, there's a whole life unlived that just walked out that door. I saw our child and then <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> I'm like, who here would murder who first? <laughs> right. 
<laughs> and we don't have to worry for the crash. That might happen anyway, just in the flight. Absolutely. But um, I'm going to now think of it every single time I go on a plane from the Me future. Me too. I mean, forever Find and ever. Find your airplane partner because they're, they're there. But what if you're flying with your your current partner? Well, what if they You don't know they're going to make it. Yeah. You don't know they're going to make you're it. Right. Yeah, what if they I, die? That was so stupid I mean, not to be, of me to say. Also, here's the thing. with In terms of like my partner... Mal and Cheyenne barely get along right now. So there would have to be a real enemies to lovers situation over four days. It's been a very stressful four days. It is. I would love, they would not like me saying they barely get along. They get along fine. They get along well. They did have one fight in front of me that was very tense. But they're (laughs) they're also pretty similar. So I I would just sometimes think that they see things in each other that upset them. But that hit home. That hit home. You know what I mean? No, they get along. They're fine. I love when Gabby says something on the podcast that they're not allowed to have said. And so that you like very quickly try to backtrack and repaint it as if, like, but we just will edit it out. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> I was just going to say, if, if they, uh, you can keep the part where I say it'll really be a four day long enemies <laughs> to lovers. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Looking back, four days seems a little quick. And like, yeah. and like, there must have been some level of sexual tension there the whole time. Oh, why? They were already having sex. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> absolutely 100 million percent. Okay, open, shut, case. You got to wait at least five days. All right. (laughs) Our next game. Are you a terrible parent? Your child, 15. Okay, these are so silly. Your child, 15, has poor oral hygiene that results in them having really, really bad breath. Oh, no. In order for them not to be a social outcast due to this, you won't let them leave the house for school in the morning until you have personally brushed their teeth for two minutes at the front door. No. They say this makes them feel like a little baby. But you say a little baby is better than a stinky baby. No. Are oh you a God. terrible parent? Absolutely not. There's something very creepy about that. Very like Norman Bates and his mother kind of weird shit. Oh, yes. Um, that is... That, first of all, that person needs to go to like Al-Anon right away. Right oh my away. God. First of all, the codependency, baby. You don't like yeah. that little phrase? A little baby is better than a stinky no, baby? No, let me tell you something. It's I hate the word strong, stinky. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, like, okay. Oral hygiene is really important and I'll tell you why. Because that's so not where I thought you were going to go with it. Well, there's a lot of heart issues and how, right? I mean, that's what I'm going to say because it it gets infections into your blood (gasps) and it can really affect the rest of your body. You think it's just your teeth, but it will affect your your kidneys, your heart. uh, I didn't know about this. All of this shit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, I know this primarily because of dogs, but it does happen. I knew it was important for dogs. I didn't know it was important for people. My husband has had, uh, he had a, he was born with a a defective heart valve. And like, when he goes to the dentist, he has to tell them like, Hey, I got this heart valve replaced and with, with a cow valve and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very important. So if your kid has that bad of breath, it might be actually a sign of intestinal distress. Yes. It might be a sign of like um, something wrong with their blood. So you as a, actually, if you're a good parent, you need to start taking them to specialists. 
Also, though, if they're really not brushing their teeth, something the fuck else is going on. Like something else is up with that person. They might be on drugs. That's always a good first guess. They might have a mental illness of some kind that really needs to be addressed. I'm sorry. Every child is on drugs until you decide they're not on drugs. (laughs) No, but I'm just saying like it's always a, you know, it's always a hot guess. You know, that's always in the top five first guesses, I'd say. You're not brushing your teeth. Are you high? No, like just, just something is going on. That's always a good guess. The, I mean, the, uh, the, you see a lot of stuff with people in recovery and it's like, everything is a sign. You know, when you have a hammer, everything's a nail. So, uh, you don't have to tell me everyone in my family is a recovering addict. Right. (laughs) <laughs> so maybe one, it's just baby. my first maybe it's just my first guess but yeah. the um so but they may have a mental illness they went but also what what Gabby was talking about like the intestinal stuff everything is about your i'm gonna make my husband sound like he's just like in the bed and can't like move out of bed and is just barely alive it's not at all true but he had colon cancer they caught it early it was the stuff you learn about how everything in your colon and your gastrointestinal system controls everything is real and manifesting through your mouth is serious and even though that's true i will still say there is another way to deal with it there has to be yeah then brush i mean i can't brush they my walk- cat's teeth <laughs> no true <laughs> they walk up to the door you go you make them go out you spray banaca in their mouth also <laughs> I want to say you you're saying, oh, my husband sounds like he's having like all these health problems. That's why you call him your current husband. Right. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? He would laugh his ass off. Oh, my God. How proud of you when you thought of that joke. I've had some really I don't want to toot my own horn, but I've had some really good ones lately. (laughs) That is when this comes up, you got to leave that in. So I can play that for him. Oh, he's going to laugh his ass off. Yeah. Okay. Our final game. Would you forgive this liar? The night before your wedding, you ask your best friend if they think you are making a huge mistake. <laughs> I really should have done this at least once. They reassure you that you aren't and that you are just feeling regular cold feet. Three months later. No. Your marriage implodes because your spouse blew all of your shared money. On that is a, not where I thought that was going. Blew all of your <laughs> shared money okay. on a body scrub Ponzi scheme that ended up being toxic to the human body. Okay. How your did you best- find out all this information about me? <laughs> my life, I know, my right? Life. Your best friend finally admits they've always hated your spouse and thought they had horrible business acumen. Would you forgive this liar? Look, the night before, there's nothing you can do. Really? There's nothing you can do. The night before, nothing you can do. So do you think it's better? Well, I think I think one Just thing you can get do. Divorced later. I think one thing you can do is let them go through with the the spiritual marriage and not sign the paperwork. Well, you don't have any control about that. But like you could say to your friend, hey, if you're feeling like you don't know, why don't oh, we just go them through with the ceremony so that we don't have to cancel on everybody. But maybe you won't sign the marriage license and you can take some more time to decide if you want to be legally wed. It would be really Whoa. an interesting conversation because you're going to have to tell that to the 
person officiating as well as the person you're marrying, yeah, they yeah, may yeah. not feel so up for that plan. You wouldn't like to hear that? From here's here's <laughs> yeah. the question. Did the, did the best friend just have bad vibes or did the best friend know about the body scrub Ponzi scheme? Because Well, the business acumen part is so specific. Yeah, a that's critique. what I'm saying. Did she know? About the, about the, did she know about the Ponzi scheme? No, but he, your spouse was always talking about some, some bullshit. Yeah, yeah. some schemes get that rich, they had get, and some, I yeah. I feel like I would not marry someone like that just because that's like my dad. And I really cannot, I really mm. cannot be around. He's up to something right now and we don't know what it is. Uh-oh. You're really enlightened because that can go either way. That might mean for someone else that they are exactly going to marry their dad. I know. So, and I've, I've gone there and I didn't marry this person, but I've done it and I'm and I'm back, baby. <laughs> I, yeah, I yes, I feel you. Um, I have some similar life experience and I can say I agree with you can say to your friend a lot of times along the way. If you want to back out, if you want to go. But once you're there at the thing or the night before, you can you can even, by the way, say, I'm not going to be in the wedding. I don't feel comfortable because <sighs> I, that. No, that's a real thing. You're allowed to do oh that. Um, I mean, well, you you're gotta, allowed you gotta, to do whatever you want. But. You got to take that heat. You got to be ready for that heat. <laughs> but in the end, because I had people who later that guy was total asshole. Here's the 18 things I hated. But if I wasn't in the place to listen they were really yeah. thought the best thing they could do is be there for me when the sh when shit fell apart. Mm -hmm. And they were. So I don't consider that lying at that place. That's actually making them responsible for my choices in a way that I don't think yeah. they need to be. Assuming that they've tried to be honest with me earlier and I'm like, oh, don't be silly. He's the greatest. And he's, yeah. a, he's, a, he's a genius at money. Yeah, no. Yeah, why didn't you ask this question of your best friend earlier? I probably knew what they would say. Yeah. Oh, I mean, this person in this theoretical situation that isn't me um, <laughs> probably knew probably knew unconsciously what they would right, say. Right, 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 right. All right, so the friend's off the hook. Um, unfortunately, they are in the hospital because they used that body scrub. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> they should be mad at me. <laughs> It's terrible news. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Thank you so, so much for joining us. Where can people find all the things that you're doing and see your show? Sure. Lady ADHD is my show. Um, it tours the country, but it's uh, every single month at Caveat Theater in New York City. Next show, We have this month off, but next show is August 30th. And my website's ADHDcomedy.com. And I am Postman. It's my last name. Postman Comedy on Instagram which is really the only social thing that social media thing that I deal with anymore. But um, so Postman Comedy on Instagram and ADHDcomedy.com. That's where you can find me. Amazing. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thank y'all. That was great. Thank you so much. Stick around after the break. We'll be talking all about gifts. Ooh, what'd you get me? Between us, it's time for Topic! Baby! 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 Woo! Okay, I want to let the audience know that if you see me on my phone during the show, I'm not actually texting. I'm actually. Sometimes you are. Yeah, sometimes you are. No, but so I'm also looking at. Sometimes, but a lot of times you're just doing stuff. 
Yeah. Okay, but I'm also looking it at. It also takes us like five minutes to start an episode. No, I'm reading. We're like, I'm reading the the Google Doc with the information. About ten percent of the time, that's what's happening. Yeah, whatever. But also, you're like telling them at the end of the episode. Yeah, I'm letting people know. All right. And that's the kind of thing that you can only get oh my gosh. from watching on youtube.com slash just between us. Yeah. Anyway, so we're going to be talking about gifts. Yeah, so what's... me. Oh, love it. A gift to the world. Love it. It's wow. true. You've been a gift in my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> no. Well, why did you choose gifts as a topic? Because I was listening to, well, one, my I picked it around closer to my birthday. So, oh. like, thinking about that. And then, two, I was listening to this podcast. So, it's called Normal Gossip. And it's amazing because it's just the host uh, telling um, a guest about, like, just gossip that involves people nobody knows. Yeah. Did someone, did a fan recommend that to you? No, my friend JC recommended it to me. Okay. Yes. A fan of this show DM'd me to recommend it to me. Really? Yeah. It's amazing. It's an incredible show. But anyway, there's an episode where one of the people they were gossiping about, the they were a high school couple, and the the guy was like kept giving the girl gifts. And the guest had this like very visceral reaction and said, gift giving is a garbage thing. It's not a good love language. It's the worst love language. Like it's not. And I was like kind of taken aback by like this hard stance about it because I think that my dad, especially his love language is gift giving. And it's like this thing that's like really lovely. Like we'll like be at the mall and my mom will see something and be like, oh, I like that. And then we'll like keep shopping. And then like half an hour later, my dad shows up with that thing that she That's said, so that cute. She, you know, and and so I just like wanted to talk about gifts in general, because I think like there's so many different ways to approach gifts. And then I think gifts also stress people out of like, what do I get somebody? Totally. Because it was also just my sister's birthday. And it's always really hard to know what to get her. But I also like to still get her something, you mm-hmm. know. So it's just Mal's birthday, my partner. And I could get Mal the most expensive thing. I could get them like a car, something so expensive. And they would be like, okay. But what I did do was I spent like two and a half weeks making this huge scrapbook with like stickers and, and, and I wrote memories in it and I printed out pictures and I made this huge scrapbook for them that basically like dollars wise was maybe like 50 bucks, but it took me two and a half weeks to finish. And I gave it to them on their birthday and they were like crying. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, I don't have that. Like I would be like, now I have this book. Like I don't, <laughs> why? But, um, but they like loved it. And so it's like very personal. Like I had to learn throughout dating, you know, I would get them like jewelry and they'd be like, okay. But then if I like wrote them a, a long like email that was like a love letter, they'd be like, <sighs> so it's like personal to the person and you have to learn. You can't just be giving gifts to like everybody that you think, ev- you know, like I like when it's it has to be personalized mm-hmm. is what I'm realizing. Yeah, because you can't just assume that everybody's going to like expensive stuff or that everyone's going to like sentimental stuff. Agree. I like gifts that have like thought to them. It's weird. Like I don't like people buying 
things for me that are things that I like can just get for myself because yeah. I'm very particular about about the things that I like. Mm. But like, for example, Allison for my birthday got me a money tree. And I like that because it wasn't it's not something that I would have just got for myself, but um, it had like meaning behind it. So like that was a good gift. To me. What's a money tree? It's a plant that's also supposed to like bring you wealth. Mm hmm. Oh, like that's it's sim- nice. like symbolically, it's like meant to like bring in good fortune. Wow, that's very nice. Yeah, yeah. I love to give people gifts. I love gift giving. I love finding a perfect gift if they're easy to get for. But I think if you listen to people when they talk, there's things that they say that it might be just like something just like off the. They just say it randomly and it's not something that they'll actually like get for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But just like, you know, that there's something that they're interested in. Sometimes I look around people's apartments. Like if I if I know someone's birthday is coming up, I'll like look around if I'm at their place and kind of see or even like on Instagram, like I'll see like, oh, this person seems to like wear a lot of running shoes. Like maybe they would like a Nike gift card or like I try to see like or walk around their house and go like huh like a lot of their their like accent stuff or cups or everything is like this this lilac color so they must like that color so maybe there's some kind of kitchen thing that you know what I mean like right. I'll, I'll do a little spy work around the house try and see like what kind of stuff they have or like you know that can and- backfire because they already spying have on it. no, just spying on people. <laughs> spying? I'm not spy spying. I'm spying for a nice reason. They were allowed in, <laughs> allowed like in. a vampire. Or like I see, yeah, they welcomed me in because I said call corporate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they I, well, so like Mal started ordering a bunch of stuff from this company, and I so I was like, okay, so I bought them. Um, a shirt from that company. What's funny too is that they were like, oh, thanks. Like I kind of, you know, I already like have shirts from there. And I was like, okay, whatever. And then what do they do? They wear that shirt all the fucking time. So they didn't even realize it until they, until later did they not realize that it was actually brilliant. Did you ever tell someone that you didn't like the gift they gave you? Yes, and I have. Ugh, I really so don't. Hard. I lie. I lied big time. I go, oh my God, I love this so much. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> No, because I don't want to. I don't want them like, it's, especially if it was something expensive. Oh. Like, I don't want them to have spent something, their money on something that I'm never gonna use yeah. or have. So it'll be like, this is really nice, but this isn't like my style or whatever. But if right. it's and not so, expensive, like, I yeah, if it's know. not expensive, then whatever. But someone if it's something... in my life has a bit of an addiction to online shopping. And they send things to my home. I wonder who you're talking about. That my partner and I are like, thank you for the garbage that we now must throw out. Um, and so, and I don't, I don't say that. I, I always, I, or like, just the amount of like unnecessary kind of like weird things that get sent that I'm like, but why? Like. See, with that, I would I would literally say, like, I really like the thought behind this, but this is not something that I need. One time, one time I said, hey, we're actually trying to downsize the amount of things we have in the house. So can you not? But it lasted about a month. 
And then it's just because then it's just stuff that's accumulating. And then I think about the environment and just things going to waste. No, it's ridiculous. So but I don't I know just, what I'm supposed to like. There's nothing you can't stop. I don't know how to stop it. There's nothing to do. And then they'll say, say, thank you. Mm-mm. Why didn't you say thank you? They want they want the reaction to be bigger where I'm like, oh, this is about you. Yeah. Yep. I guess I never get a bigger rush than when I feel like I got someone a good when gift. When you nail it. Oh, of course. When that's I feel what like I, mean. I got someone a good them. gift. What yeah. a high that is. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So, like, the the ambivalence to whether I actually like it or not is truly wild to me. But when I, when, yeah, the, the to me, the same thing. Like, when I nail it with someone, when I get them something that they really love, I'm like, I feel great because I feel like that person feels seen and known. And also, like, I like to give things that are practical and useful. Like socks? Yeah, why not? Socks. If it's what they want. Yeah. Or they need. You see that they every sock they have has a hole in it. Then you're like, I'll be honest. I would love if somebody just bought me continuous Bomba socks. Bombas. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'll do that for you. Yeah. Because I honestly, I could use some socks as well. But I don't want Bombas. They're too thick. Okay. I like them at they night. They have thinner ones too. But this is what I'm saying is like it doesn't. People go, oh, socks as a present, whatever. But like, that's like when my parents were like, "What do you want for your birthday?" And I was like, "I just want a gift card to a, a department store so I can get more boy clothes." And they were like, "Okay," and they sent me that gift card. And they're but they were like disappointed. They were like, "You don't want like a like." And I'm like, "No, I just want a freaking gift card so I can go buy pants." I'm constantly on the fence of like. I love nailing a gift, but also like sometimes I don't know what to get someone. And so then like whenever I I have to ask them what they want, I then feel a little bit like a failure. You can be like me who has a continuous Amazon gift list that when somebody asks, when someone asks, what do you want? Then I just send it. That's amazing. No, my issue is I feel bad like asking someone what they want. Well, here's what you do. I feel like part of the art of gift giving is the element of surprise. I see. I see. I see. Buffalo Wild Wings gift card. Done. No, thank you. Um, <laughs> is there That's a, a tip for me to you guys. If you don't know what to get someone, Buffalo Wild Wings gift card. Is there a gift that y'all like expect? That I expect? Yeah, like every year. <sighs> a problem I have is people think that I like candles. <gasps> I remember this. I don't like candles. I remember this. Every time I get a candle as a gift, I'm a little bummed out. Every candle that I own is a gift from someone. Yeah. And I have a lot of candles yeah. around here. I've not I love bought them. any Send candles. Send them to me. I, I love like candles. Melts. I like melts. Candles freak me out. Everybody give do. me a candle. You guys give me all your candles. No, I still want them though. Yeah, I don't want to give them away because John likes them. They, I put them out. But like, and, and I'm in this place now where like certain people have get me candles and I can't it's I'm too far in yeah I can't tell them I don't like candles yeah so I expect I expect along the way to get candles um and then be kind of bummed out now I know what to get you for your birthday please don't do that (laughs) just joking I already have your gift I've just been waiting for your party (laughs) (gasps) how exciting what about you I love acts of service so to me, like a physical gift, whatever. But if you like pay for someone to like clean my house or if you like do if you like when Mal's like, I, I got your car washed. I'm like, I'm in love with you. <laughs> like I I want I like more so things that will make my life easier. So if it's like a gift card to 
something that I I actually really was going to buy anyway or want. If it's like, you know, even like anything that they they're like, I, I got I got you someone to organize your closet, like anything that's like taking something off my plate or taking or taking a burden away. I'm like that that you you are the best person ever. I also like giving gifts to people I'm dating as maybe part of a power play. But I don't oh, know God. if we have time to unpack. Anyway, I asked this question because I wanted to share mine. <laughs> oh, no, what's yours? I was about to I was about to follow up with you on that. <laughs> I just want to get to I know I like play. you I like you cutting me off. No, I like and you should. And you should. So, when I was 8 years old, eight or nine, my cousin was visiting us and she was 12. And this was around Easter time. And my parents felt bad that they didn't get her an Easter bunny. And so they gave her mine. And so every year since then, I uh, bully them into making sure that I have an Easter bunny. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. The level of pettiness is unmatched. Mm -hmm. That's so funny. If I don't have it, then it's a problem. And then I'll have it the next day. Well, what I have is um, one year, I don't know why I got really, (laughs) I got really mad at my mom because she didn't tell me that it was Groundhog's Day. (laughs) And I was like really upset that I didn't know. How old were you? Like way too old to like I don't know what like, age that would way be appropriate. Too old, like I feel like 20? I was like in college. Okay. Yeah, like I don't know why I felt like I needed to why know. Did, it was why did your mom day. need to tell you if you I were don't know a, adult? This is one of the greatest mysteries of okay. my life. I can't relate to that person. Uh-huh. I don't know what was going through her head. <laughs> but ever since then, every year, my mom has written me an original limerick on February first. Love it to remind me that it's gonna be Groundhog. <laughs> Love it. Amazing. And these are really good limericks. I've Ooh. tweeted some of them out, guys. Really go check them I out. I love that. They're Make very good. A, book, a little coffee table book. Aww. Oh, yeah. A zine. A zine. Hey, that's something we could put on the Instagram is some of my mom's limericks. Yeah, I'm down. That's a way to get people over there, huh? Yeah, I'm down. <laughs> Whatever. I want to say one time, I want to say a nice thing about my parents because I almost never do. One time when I was like six, I went to sleep. It was my birthday. I went to sleep and I woke up and when I woke up, my parents were like, go outside. And I went outside and there was like a full jungle gym built in my backyard. They had got it for me and they had had someone come and erect it overnight so that when I woke up in the morning, it was just magically there. And I and I didn't understand. So I was like, you know, I was like too young. So I was just basically like this has magically appeared. And then we had that jungle gym for forever. But it was like, really, it was one of the most like. It was so cool. And it was and it was like a had a little treehouse thing and swings. And I remember being so like taken in by the magic of its appearance. You know, (laughs) one time when I was really young, my parents got me um, a sandbox. Um, But it like I guess it like came in like a huge box on top of the car. And like as they drove up, I went, ooh, pizza. (laughs) 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 Oh, that's funny. What do we rate this lovely episode? I rate it a hundred out of ninety nine. Forgetting what you were gonna say, ADHD. <laughs> 
Melissa? I'll rate it 10 out of 10. This is one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, <gasps> right? Wow. We love to hear it. It's really funny. Wow. <laughs> we, we're very like, I don't want to say, okay, I'm watching old videos of ours and we're funny. Oh, but you said, I don't want to even get into that. What? We're just funny. comedy. You're just like oh yeah, comedy. you hate comedy, and, and you and, hate comedy. And you hate comedy, and you're like when we brought up, well, when Allison brought up doing sketches, you were like sketches are bad. Yeah, I like us though. <laughs> <laughs> but that was specifically about you. <laughs> yeah, I'm changeable. <laughs> One thing about me is I'm mercurial. Oh my god. Okay, I will rate it thirty out of seventeen. The audacity. Gabby. The audacity. <laughs> yeah, it depends on when you catch me. You know what I mean? I have a totally yeah. different opinion on any any given day. Yeah. I also am very impersonable. impressionable. But you can also impersonate me pretty easily. But you can also impersonate me pretty easily. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to Blair Postman for being our guest. Just Between Us is a Forever Dog production hosted by me, Allison Raskin. And me, Gabby Dunn. Produced by Melissa Diamond Monts. Edited by Coco Lorenz. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, Alex Ramsey, and Tracy Soren. Brendan Burns composed our killer theme music. To listen to this podcast ad-free, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcast.com slash plus. And check out video clips of our podcast on YouTube at youtube.com slash Team or on our channel, youtube.com slash show. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Forever Dog Team to keep up with all the latest Forever Dog news. Also at Allison Raskin, at She Is Not Melissa, at Gabby Road, Emotional Support Lady Substack, Patreon.com slash Gabby Dunn, and also Allison's book, Overthinking About You. Go and leave a Goodreads or an Amazon review. Um, you can also go to Scribd and see my book, Stimulus Rack. But Allison's, give them reviews. Okay, bye! Forever! Yeah.